Never try to use better buddies for medical advice. Hello and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. In what situation should you not fake it till you make it? Uh, and my answer is anytime you're sitting in a judicial court. Because uh, of the whole word of the law thing. The, no, the truth. because lawyers know what the fuck they're doing and you're not a lawyer. I mean, yeah, kind of. Like, they kind of know what they're doing. Um, they they definitely bank off of other people's ignorance hard. Um, so I guess in that sense, they know what they're doing. But, but like, all lawyers know other lawyers know what they're doing, right? Like, you enter into... It's like if you were... If somebody set you down and said, Hey, I can give... You have to play chess. Now, you can have this chess grandmaster play for you, or you can play chess. But you're going to be up against another grandmaster, and you make the decision, no, I'm going to play. I can do it. That's another area. You can't fake it till you make it. Chess, you cannot fake it till you make it. You have yeah. to know what the pieces do. Yeah, that's true. There's no really bluffing with confidence in chess. It's pretty straightforward. Um, I was going to say surgery. You mm. probably couldn't do either. Yeah, that one's a little complicated, isn't it? You could try, though. You Who knows? Try. I guess it really depends Maybe. on, like, how badly does it... You have to fail for it to count as a failure, right? Like, if it's a broken <laughs> arm, right? It, say it's, like, a broke... A complicated arm with, like, two or three breaks in it. Or, like, a hand that's got a bunch of broken bones in it. You could go in and fix the bones, right? You put them back in place and pin them where they're supposed to be. Or you cut it off entirely. The problem is technically solved either way. Well, wait, okay, hold on. I mean, you can't just you can't just cut off somebody's hand. Why not? Really? You're, the, you're, well, the, you're the guy doing the surgery. Yeah, but... You just say complications, we had to do it to save your life, and no one can argue with you. Yeah, but, but, what, what, uh. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, the thing is, in surgery, like, you have a, a group of other surgeons with you who know the procedure. They're, they're just there to, like, help. They might not know, like, the intricacies of whatever the surgery is that you're performing, but they will probably know, like, Oh, hey, in very rare circumstances, almost never will involve the full removal of a hand. Look, if there is a doctor who literally got the nickname Dr. Death because he murdered his patients and managed to cover it up for years. They don't consider him a real doctor, RJ. He was <laughs> they did. That was his whole thing. Like, he got the nickname Dr. Death because he kept having so many accidental deaths on the table. And finally somebody put the pieces together and was like, wait a minute. Statistically speaking, you cannot have this many accidents. You're murdering them. Yeah. He got the nickname, Uh, like, 
because of how bad his mortality rate was as a doctor. That's fair. I thought you were talking about the guy who would drive around in a van and euthanize people, but that's no, fair. No, this was actually um, like they did a um, documentary on this guy. Like he lived in Texas. He literally like bounced basically from hospital to hospital that desperately needed surgeons because he'd show up, do surgeries, start off okay, and then more and more patients would die under his knife, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we just can't keep you." <laughs> um. No, that's fair. I well, okay, but to be fair, he it wasn't like he probably wasn't killing people. Like, whoops! Like my scalpel went through their throat. Like, oopsie no, doopsie. No, it'd be like during know. the surgery, it'd be like blood loss and stuff. Yeah, like while he's got so them like, cut open. So that's what you do so though. Like, is you're just like, ah, oh, shit. It's worse than we imagined. I, it, it, it's fucking up. I made a mistake chop the hand yeah but this is assuming <laughs> quick get me an axe i love the idea that you're doing open heart surgery <laughs> and the panic response is like it's not working quick cut off his hand <laughs> okay now which one is worse to you a you're doing open heart surgery <laughs> you say quick give me his hand i have to cut it off or you're one of like the attendants slash subsurgeons slash assistants who you're just like your job is to like, t- like hit the forehead and wipe away the sweat, or hand him the tools, and you say, "Oh no, he's losing too much blood. We gotta amputate." And you just cut his hand off. Like you're not even supposed to be cutting anything, and you just go in there and whack. It's all about focusing the pain in another area that is not the site of operation, so that there's not so much stress in in that area. Which is, I'm sure, you could try. I don't know, dude. You can try and BS your way through it if you really wanted to. You can try. How hard can open heart surgery be? You cut open. I've I have seen enough surgeon simulator videos. Yeah, dude. Those you cut them open. Yeah, hit him with the hammer until the chest, until the, the rib cage breaks apart, and you dig that out of there. And you take your scalpel and you cut all the or the arteries. To be able to pull the heart out, and you put a new heart in, and you close it up, and you win. Mm. You, mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Why not? I'm pretty sure that's all <laughs> medical school is, is that little monologue, <laughs> and the rest is just them pretending to do shit. It's um, them practicing. So that, yeah, it's them. <laughs> It's them doing uh, uh, Surgeon Simulator Let's Plays with each other for for four to eight years. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the no, eight dude. years thing is, a, is a, a lie. What do you mean a lie? So, like, I think med school's only four years. Because you have to start with the four years of undergrad. Well... Yeah, but, like... Well, yeah, but then sometimes... So it's, like, four years of undergrad... Which technically isn't med school, right? Like, as far as I'm aware. Four years of med school, which is like two years years of master's and two years to doctorate. Yeah, and then you might do a residency, right? Which is just being a doctor paid intern. Yeah, for however long that is, which I can't recall. Um, And, yeah, I don't know what else... 
But if you don't actually want to practice medicine and just want to be the doctor, you don't have to, like, do the residency part. <laughs> they don't tell you that. That's true. Well, no, but you do need to, like, you do need, oftentimes you'll need to have a residency somewhere to to have, like, a vetted position, correct? But you're not going to be practicing medicine. You're just going to have the doctorate. You're a hobby what is doctor. This what is this in relation to again? Are you talking? Are you still talking about faking your way into a surgical theater? Is this it? Like, like <laughs> um, actually, that would be a good way to fake your way into a surgical theater: is get the doctorate, but never get licensed as a physician, so that you can cut like four years off your timeline, and then just stroll up uh, to hospitals and be like, "Hi, I'm a doctor." Brilliant. Yeah, and technically, you're not lying, right? Some real it's catch like me if you can. Have doctorates of, of philosophy. Hey, hey, there, there's a, well, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of book reading. And for what you can't take it with you, folks, you can't take it with you. I think actually, presumably if there is a place after death, your brain goes with. So if you have the doctorate, you have all that stuff in your brain, it goes with you. So I think being a doctor is one of those things you can take with you. This is supposing a lot, but I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair point. You could theoretically, if if uh, if there is an afterlife and you do make it there, um, yes, you'll you'll have it. Although I guess, like, what would you do? Like, do they need doctors in heaven? I hope not. Or wherever. Yeah, I hope not either. If they do, we're in trouble. Maybe it's like. Uh, I don't know maybe getting operated on doesn't hurt you know maybe they just kind of do it for fun oh god who knows they don't know the they, they don't even those doctors isn't there like a statistic that like one of the largest causes of death in the country is medical accidents or something it's, it's medical incident. List. it's something like that which is insane um but also consider how what the other like leading causes of death are where it's like car accidents cancer heart attacks mm-hmm. and it's like yeah there just aren't that many causes of death to begin with yeah to be fair though like being ranked up against like horrible accidents isn't or diseases isn't like a great especially for an industry that's supposed to prevent them though i guess to be fair if you're dealing with you know if you're on the front lines i suppose that you are going to rack up a certain level of casualties it's yeah. It's more just the whole medical accident thing or incident that is a little bit terrifying. I think it's difficult, right? The human body is like pretty unpredictable. And it is. Like we can kind of. Heart. Yeah, some real Padme on the dollar. No, it's actually true, though. Because you can actually like feel pain in your heart if you feel sad enough and it actually is like pulling on the muscles in the heart. And if your heart is weak enough and you have a great enough sadness. The muscle that is your heart, because your heart is a muscle, just gives out. Like, seriously? Yep. Not not common. Not common. But it occasionally happens, I think. Don't quote me, I'm not a doctor. I just have my doctorate. Get this man to a surgery ward immediately. Ah, shit! <laughs> Stat. They call him... Doctor removes all the right hands from his patients. Why? <laughs> no one knows why. But no God one knows damn why he it, removes he's not the right the best hand, one we've got. 
He's cured everything else in them. We started just giving him patients with the, like, antibiotic diseases. And he takes them to surgery, (laughs) cuts the right hand off, and they're cured. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. It's unbelievable. But uh, whatever happens with the right hands? Uh, he takes them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Do we know what he does with them? No. Okay. You know, honestly, I've, I've never even thought to ask, you know? But I think it's best we don't. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We're uh, stupid. Right Hand Man, NBC's newest sitcom. Oh, <laughs> uh, right up there with House and The Good Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you seen the Follow. ads for The Good Doctor? Uh, is it the guy who's like, I'm autistic and therefore I'm a better doctor? It's that guy. It's Freddie Highmore, isn't it? I don't know who Freddie Highmore is, but he reminds me of a house's best friend in house. I think he's Charlie from uh, the Tim Burton Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Is he really? No, I don't think so. Hang on. This has got to, we got to science this. The Good Doctor is a drama. Oh, maybe. Freddie Highmore, who was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and the Bates Motel. Yes. And the Spiderwick Chronicles. That I probably wouldn't have known, but I do remember him being in the ads for it. Yep, a young autistic surgeon who has savant syndrome. So he's not just autistic, he's also a savant. Yeah, I, I don't. That kind of stuff is like, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about it, honestly. Because I remember like, when the ads really... first came out, I was like, okay, he's the good doctor. Like he, like is the is the medical system that corrupt that your everyday doctors are like, we're gonna get more <laughs> people into surgery and make more work for ourselves <laughs> because All we the wanted doctors... to do longer hours. Are literally just like dick dastardly and muttly level like caricatures. <laughs> <laughs> One good guy. Oh, curse you, good doctor! <laughs> You've taken my patients out from under me that didn't need medical care. <laughs> that would actually be. Yeah, he's just a regular. He's not even that good of a doctor. He's just regular. The okay doctor. <laughs> the all right. The average doctor. <laughs> no, no, not the all right doctor. Okay. That guy takes hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just hit it just hit very well done I loved that delay on that though because I was I knew it hit you I knew it would ah uh, he's the alright doctor what does he do with the hands nobody knows <laughs> this summer one doctor is gonna figure out the miracle cure to every known disease and all it takes is a little uh, helping hand. Okay, there it is. <laughs> I was going to say, but he needs a helping hand. And don't worry. With this doctor, everything's going to be all right. Doctor, my son was in a terrible car accident. Is he going to make it? I don't know, but I can promise you this. It's going to be all right. 
Thank you, Doctor. Thank it's you. It's all right. I'm just doing my job. Uh, he will. Uh, tell me, was he left-handed? That, that's no, no. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't know where to go. <laughs> was he left-handed? No, the, no. God damn it, James. <laughs> he was. He was all right. <laughs> it didn't matter which one you picked. No, if he... you said yes, I said great. He'll be just fine. If you say no, I say well, he's about to be. <laughs> <laughs> I I overthought that. That's okay. Do we want to move on to our better buddies recommend? Let's do it. Actually, wait. I do apologize. We did move away with the good doctor. You said like, oh, you didn't really like this thing, and then I cut you off. Yeah. Uh, it was more just. It it just reads. It reads as very like. Um, I don't know how to say this. Uh, I'll, I'll get into the whole thing if I go into this. I'm trying to think of how to say this concisely. What am I just say it the way I want to say it? Um, um, there's okay. There's kind of a uh, there's kind of like a stereotype that like um, older boomer types, especially kind of more like that autistic people are inherently supercomputers. Yeah, like le- the left leaning types who are like who are like going to see like Green Book and like um, you know like. Just, just very sort of um, like quote unquote like socially conscious, but they're like socially conscious in a very sort of like self elementary way. Yeah, it's like it's like innocent and harmless, but it's also kind of dumb, uh, you know. And it's it's weirdly like like the good stereotyping stuff. Like yeah, sort of. I mean, and it's like, oh my gosh, they're a different person, but they're doing all right. Like, good for them. You know, it's like weirdly patronizing without meaning to be. Um, but it, because of that, it's kind of like, in a way, sort of harmful because it doesn't realize that it's still doing the, it's still enacting the problem that it's like, oh, yeah. it believes itself it's positive, to be solving. Yeah, positive stereotyping. You it's know, like with the, uh, all Asians being good at math stereotype and bias of like okay yes it's still hurtful though because you're placing this upon people and like not like it's it's still hurting people even though like being good at math is theoretically a good thing like you're assuming a lot yeah and i just uh like i get that from the especially since it's like a network television show which means like it's a lot of chances are like older people or like mass audiences being like exposed to it uh maybe not as much as obviously they would have been exposed to it like 10 or 15 years ago but it's just one of those things where it's like the good doctor like i don't know like i i like i'm one of those people where i i do obviously um like they say you know autism is like a spectrum And in the same way that I like that people are like, oh, like everyone, most people are like a little bit like gay, right? Like it's, it's almost debatably got to be inherent in like, if we're talking about being gay as in like being able to recognize the aesthetic qualities of your own gender or sex, um, like everyone has two different things here. Well, like, am I? Because it's like, right? Because, like, debatably, like, I, I guess I, it depends on your definition. I would argue of that, there is right? a difference in 
finding attraction versus acknowledging aesthetically pleasing aspects. Yeah, but doesn't you, that you can have a knowledge of aesthetics without enjoying the aesthetic being discussed, right? So like, just this is yeah, such a weird true. transition, but like fashion design or like uh, interior design, where it's like, oh, I have the style I like. So like, if you really like like a country home, whatever, then a super modern thing isn't going to be for you. But you still recognize, oh, I understand why this modern aesthetic is a tr- uh, something people like. That's true, but also debatably the only people who are fit to like truly make commentary or position on either of those two things are the ones who both know and enjoy them and have gone through a process debatably of going from not um, like maybe not understanding them, like being on the absolute outside to being then on the absolute inside. Like, debatably, the only person who has the authority is the person for which that is, like, an intimate sort of, possesses that intimate knowledge. And it's not to say that other people can't comment on it or gain a knowledge of it, but I would argue that, like, yes, you can have knowledge of aesthetics, but in order to truly understand them, you would need to feel that that potential. So, to to round it back around... The mm-hmm. point there is that the execs and older people who are probably not on the autism spectrum making the show about the per individual on the autism spectrum don't actually know what it's like to be on the autism spectrum. Well, like, it's it's more like, I think it, it's diluting the, the, like, I think that word especially and that concept, like, I really don't, the, the older I've gotten and the more people i've come to know the more i've come to resent that title because i think it's a way that like it's been sort of like cheapened by both the younger and the older crowds because like younger people and i've done it before younger people will be like oh my god i'm being so autistic right now when they're just talking about being like obsessive or whatever and i won't i won't dismiss the idea of it being uh, an effective descriptive word yeah yeah yeah. yeah like people people will use like oh my God, you're being like super autistic or whatever, you know, like it's to describe somebody who becomes like very obsessive or sort of like particular or whatever. Um, And the older crowd will use autistic as like a, a, with them it's a little bit worse because it's like, it's a more of an othering sort of like, well, they're autistic. Well, they're, you know, like their image of autism is like, um, is not somebody who might be like, really super weirdly like hyper specifically in the movies or like uh you know math or whatever their understanding of it is like rain man you know what i mean it's this very like broad categorical yeah exactly like like wow he's smart but in a different way you know what i mean and it's just sort of like meaning like it is and it's like it doesn't encompass like that the person that a lot of like a like people who fall under that category um the way you're describing it to me sounds like the southern like well ain't you just precious yeah that's that's exactly kind of like the mentality it's this very like sweetly and like somewhat naively but still like a little bit um drastically kind of like you're saying like demeaning or condescending um device that's used and it's just like i know this has been like a whole thing but 
that's just the thing is is just like with with stuff like that and i'm not saying like oh you can't use the word i'm not saying like this show is inherently morally bad the people who like watch it or like it or take moral lessons from it or like you know corrupt or whatever i'm not saying that it's just like it's like seeing that type of stuff it's just kind of like it's a very soft understanding of a reality in my opinion that like can potentially be um like i've seen people with those attitudes treat people who they believe to be different in a really like frustrating way for me to to know the people on either side of the exchange um and know the situations uh of the people who are like under that mentality and then who are like who they're treating a person who they believe to be different and knowing that person's like reality and how they actually feel and i'm not saying anything particular about the uh, you know one or the other like everyone's got their own stuff to deal with it's just sort of like it creates an an unnecessary sort of like gap between people where like yes there are differences but at the same time it's like like sometimes to to bridge those gaps like people people don't really mm, i don't know how to say it they don't really try or these like easy solutions these like soft answers kind of like instead of bridging the gap they just kind of go around it Mm. like they just go around the differences instead of actually acknowledging and incorporating them so anyway that's why you should catch the good doctor Um, some news network some channel network exactly is it NBC, ABC, right. CBS, CB, NBC, CBN, BBC? Uh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Any anything with a C usually is uh, a, a network. You know, um, NBC, CBS, ABC, and then there was a, I think and there was Fox. another one. And then there's Fox. That's it. Yeah. Our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Uh, what do you got? Okay. I have something that I started reading, actually, about 40 minutes ago. Oh, um, shit. Hot off the It's presses. called... It is. Uh, I discovered it, like, a couple days ago, but I started reading it just recently, and it's good. Um, it's kind of short. It's Unnecessary Words by, I want to get this guy's name right, so I apologize. I'm really quickly going to look this up. Um, it is by ben, uh, Benkai Yokatu, uh, who was a, uh, yes, I will. Um, B-A-N-K-E-I-Y-O. Uh, Sorry, Bankai Yotaku. So B A N K E I Y O T A K U. And the O will have the, it's a Japanese name. Mm-hmm. So the O has a line over, yeah. uh, over it to symbolize the lengthening of a vowel. But um, so this is actually like a pretty amazing little work and a little a little piece of history to stumble across. Um, Bankai is a, a Zen master 
and he is uh there there are like a few because you know zen zen is the japanese incarnation of buddhism Mm -hmm. and uh um uh, to attain Zen masteries, to have ostensibly attained a kind of enlightenment or, you know, an, an awareness at the very least of the Dharma. I, I, I'm going to misspeak if I try to get too technical here. But basically, um, Bankai was this like Zen monk who kind of lived, uh, you know, um, in the 17th century. And he started out in school. Uh, and he, he didn't grow up as like a monk. Like he grew up to like a normal family and stuff like that. And he eventually just kind of like fell into it. And he kind of, it's kind of funny, like his Wikipedia page, he's considered a very influential monk to a degree, but his Wikipedia page is very short. I think it's also because he's considered controversial because his teachings are very succinct. Um, but basically uh, he goes around to a bunch of different monasteries, asks people a bunch of different questions. He gets like uh, halfway to enlightenment um and uh then he goes to another temple and he gets the full way to enlightenment when he when he has like a near-death experience and um goes to another place where he kind of like finishes off and then he goes to make his own monastery where he lives for the next like 40 years and just kind of hangs out and then he dies um okay and basically i just thought this was amazing because he's like considered to have found something very unique and yet there's like i've never heard of him before um not unique necessarily but he was notable for his teaching of this uh concept called the unborn um capital u and his conception of this is basically the idea that um the unborn is this it is this essence. It is like everything in life uh, that that is is through everything in life. It's you could call it like I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think. It's it's kind of like the Tao, or like if you want to say like the if you want to say God, like from a Western conception, or um, even just nature from a more materialist perspective. Um, like it's basically just the idea that there is this thing that runs through all life that all things originate from. It is, it is, and it is unborn as in like, it doesn't live, it doesn't die. It just simply is. And it goes through all these things. And basically um, you possess this like within yourself that a lot of Buddhism or even a lot of like religious traditions are like, you have to go through all these like different sects and schools and like you have to do all this learning and blah, blah, blah. And Bankai was kind of like, yeah, like sort of. But the thing is, is that you already have like that enlightenment, that like quote unquote Buddhahood like in you, which is kind of already what the Buddha, like Buddha teaches to a degree. Um, that's, that's like ostensibly at the heart, at the core of like the school of thought. Um, and he's like, really, what you have to do is you have to, like, you just have to realize this. And that's easier said than done. But, like, you already have it. And hmm. you can go through, like, all these different, you can read all the different Buddhist texts. You can get all the Zen koans down, right? Whatever. All of it's meaningless, nothingless words. It's It doesn't mean anything. It's it's He equates it to, like, dust settling on you. Like, it, it's not... It's not really anything. Um, yeah. All that really matters is this. I is is this because it's the only thing that is. And when you realize this, 
you'll have realized it. Um, mm-hmm. So again, so, and I'm paraphrasing here, yeah. but he was notable for also like speaking very colloquially, like a lot of Buddhist teachers will reference like, and in this, in this sect of Buddhism and in this tract, they say this, and that's why we have this tract here and blah, blah, blah. But when he would teach to his students, he would use, Bankai would use like very colloquial, regular language. And he would, he would not reference necessarily other sects or schools or tracts. He wouldn't base his teachings on them. He would just basically, if they came up naturally, like a student asked, well, what about this person? Well, what about this person? He would answer because he had read all that stuff. Yeah. But he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't necessarily uh, like base his teachings off of it. So ultimately, and finally, like, yo, here's enlightenment. Here's what you got to do. Go have fun. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, he can't, he can't give that to you. You know what I mean? Like no one can give it to you. Like it's something that you have to attain and, and learn on your own through both personal experience, which he really prioritized um, as well as like, you do need to study some of this stuff because like you have to be able to order your thoughts to know that you don't have to order them. It's like, it's, it's really kind of somewhat stupid and circuitous thinking, but ultimately you arrive at a place like Bankai where he just talks about how like my, the whole goal of my teaching is just to get to cut right through all of the text and get right at the heart of like, what we're doing here like what and by you know uh a uh, uh, sort of converse what we're not doing um at the same time so yeah and unnecessary words it's literally if you look up unnecessary words bankai you'll find a pdf um it's 22 pages i don't think it, it looks like it's part of a book or a text or something but i would suggest trying to see what you think of it like reading through it because it's like it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. You get a sense that he was kind of a, um, a master Yoda type. Like, and I'm talking like, like old man Yoda. I'm talking like old man Yoda. <laughs> yeah, like Just didn't really people who came, kind of goofy. Yeah, with yeah. flashes, obviously of the real of the real master Yoda. But what do you um, mean the real master Yoda? I guess fair enough uh who even you know what is the real master yoda um uh, it's a man named frank oz as always you prove an excellent point no uh <laughs> that is that is fair <laughs> um but yeah i would, really I would cool, suggest though. it it's it's neat it's a neat little thing to have found and it's kind of a fun idea like to me i guess just as a closing thought like the idea that this guy basically just kind of like he did this when he, but I think it was like by the time he was like in his late twenties, early thirties, and this was a guy who basically just like worked hard a little bit, like questioned people, and just kind of arrived at a sort of like really simplified uh, kind of enlightenment. And then he went off and he just kind of did his own thing for the rest of his life because he he kind of done it. You know what I mean? And Man. there's something of a role model in that. I, I kind of wish I was in those days where you could just be like, all right, I'm gonna go found a monastery. Peace. <laughs> I know. Come join my cult. I know. 
so it's, like get rid of all your earthly possessions aka sell them and put the money into our uh, compound dude i would totally i don't even know like did you say join or run join a cult because no, i would if start you want to join I, one, I would do i have a pamphlet for you oh goody who are they uh we're still working on the name give me all your money Okay, it's the give you all your. It's the dollar sign uh, called. It's the it's the church for rich people. <laughs> all right, fair enough. The, you're gonna find. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are already in cults. You might find it hard to recruit, but but this one um, caters to the fact that they are rich. And they, well, the, isn't the issue with rich people is one of the reasons they're rich is because they don't really like to give away their money a whole lot unless they're getting a return for it, you know. Uh, we have stockbrokers. <laughs> all, all of our ordained just... ministers are, in fact, actual stockbrokers that work Wall Street. Just, oh, that's actually kind of, I love We're that. I love the fund. idea of a... <laughs> So it's just a hedge but fund. It's a, reli- it's a religious. We're a religion. We're a religion. <laughs> so no taxes. Oh, that's actually kind of amazing. I love that as a concept. Don't... Because you know in the next 50 years someone's going to do it. I just see, yeah, I mean, yeah, like people already kind of treat, people already, hey, that's what they, mammon. uh, Yeah, I mean, they treat this, the stock exchange like as though the voice of God, I guess in a way, who's to say that the voice of God can't come through the stock exchange? What if God was one of us? Sold his (laughs) stocks like one of us. what if God was me, said the stockbroker, peering <laughs> up from his lines in the bathroom? <laughs> okay. Under my my media recommendation. Um, yes, what is your media recommendation? Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Hey. I have finally seen it. It was pretty good. Have you seen it? And I have. I have seen it. Awesome. What's... Did you watch the... Do you watch the subs or the dubs, dubs. of the Ghibli movies? Yeah. Dub. I think you, you gotta... How did you... Yeah, Shia so LaBeouf. had you... Running through the woods with you, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, quiet, quiet. I don't I can't remember entirely how the song goes. I, I really remember the Shia LaBeouf part. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really liked it. Uh, it's, it's Ghibli, so like animation's great. Um, I thought the world design was really fun and interesting. Um, the person I was watching with was nice enough to explain to me that like, oh yeah, so this is actually based on a graphic novel series of like four books and then they condensed it down to one movie, which made a lot of sense in hindsight. Yeah, the, I mean... To be fair, too, with any plot things, like, Miyazaki is known for not really scripting. Like, he does just sort of do the thing where he, like, storyboards out his whole movie and that acts as, like, a visual script. So if there's any sort of, like, compression to be felt or whatever, but... I would, based on what the other Miyazaki... I have other Miyazaki products I've seen, though, this one felt more so. Okay. Like, with Lupin the Third there were characters and that were like kind of almost irrelevant, right? Like there was a samurai who was just kind of there. They called him in and was like, Hey, come help us out. We need help. 
and he shows up, he mm-hmm. sits there for a good chunk of the movie, he fights in a battle, and then they all run away. Um, mm-hmm. and, like, but, like, compare to, compare Nausicaa to, um, Princess Mononoke, from what I remember of Mononoke, it's been a few years, mm-hmm. um, Mononoke's plot was pretty well put together, right? Like, it all kind of made yeah. sense, it was a good escalation, it all worked. Uh, Nausicaa, while very good, once I found out, like, oh yeah, it's based on these four graphic novels, it was like, okay, that explains this escalation. <laughs> Yeah, it does go from it goes from like zero, zero to hundred places. Uh, uh, not, maybe not zero to hundred. It goes from like fifty to hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. The world is pretty cool to be like, and I do like. Obviously, his style of animation is very. Did you have any uh, scenes or sequences that like stuck out to you? Uh, the Underforest. Really kind of like, yes, I just like the arti- artistry there of how stark it was. Um, the... Really like the animation of the little fox squirrel thing. Yes. Yeah, her like companion, oh. her like friend. And actually, the ohms. My god, the way they animated, the way those moved. <sighs> Love that. Because like... Um... They, if you remember back, the way that, like, they've got, like, the claws in front that do little, like, almost like Hermit Crabby, like, dragging themselves forward. But whenever they're, mm-hmm. like, moving more slowly, or really moving at all, the armored plates actually, like, move over top of each other like armored plates would on an animal like that, or a bug mm-hmm. like that, which was just so realistically cool. Yeah, I, I forgot all about the bugs. I forgot about that. These are like the, um, they're like the guardians of the forest kind of, aren't they? They're like yeah. super old, ancient, important relics. Um, not necessarily important relics, they, but they were just guarding the forest basically to make sure it didn't get destroyed because the forest was purifying the world. So like, you know, gotta keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. No, I mean, uh, I do, I honestly, I don't remember. I remember, like, the 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 fight in the city. I remember, like, certain sh- scenes of the opening. Did you have any uh, characters that you, that you really liked? Or, um... Uh, Patrick Stewart's character. The, the master swordsman. Yeah, isn't he her, like, mentor or something? Yeah, he's, like, a mentor... Right? And is a, uh, like, they call him, like, uncle. Or no, it's, like, mm-hmm. master. Sir? I don't remember. I have to pull up. Pull up. Um, but, yeah. Overall, really good movie. Mm, the yawn, don't, don't let the yawn reflect my opinion on the movie. Yeah, it's very, it's very pretty. Um, you had any suggestions, any potential critiques? What would you say? And also, how does this rank among your Ghibli watches? Um, I would put Laputa... Would Laputa be above or below? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, 
I think it's better than Laputa. Totoro's at the bottom still. It's going to take a lot for Totoro to get put off the bottom. The overhype on that just killed it for me. Um, uh, so I think it's like Totoro, Ponyo, Nausicaa, or no, no, sorry, not Nausicaa. Totoro, Ponyo, Laputa, Nausicaa, uh, Mononoke, Lupin the Third. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Have I seen I more? I will... No, sorry. Go for it. Have I seen more than you? Um, Have you seen Spirit of Wire, Howl's Women Castle? No. Uh, okay, so run it back for me. It was it was Totoro, Totoro Ponyo, Lapida, Pon- Lapida, okay, Totoro, Ponyo, Lapida, Nausicaa, Mononoke, Nausicaa, Mononoke. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one. Hang on, Totoro, and Ponyo, and uh, Lupin, Nausicaa, Mononoke, and Lupin. Yeah, so six. Okay, you've seen six. I've seen Lupin, Mononoke. Um, um, oh my god, House of Castle, Spirit Away, Nausicaa. Did I say Totoro? I did, didn't nope, I? Um, didn't. Totoro. You need one um, more. Come on. I've seen. Hold on here. I know I have. I know there's more. Um,. Oh my god! Oh, Porco Rosso. Oh, there we go. I've heard and I might have seen. Him. I think you'd actually like Porco Rosso. I actually think you really would. It's kind of uh, a loop in the third vein, where it's sort of like a, a more action adventure style, and it's got like a little bit of a heart to it. Um, but it is more just kind of focused on this like guy, and it kind of does have sort of just like a bunch of random stuff happening in it, but. <laughs> I think you really like it. I would, I would suggest Porco Rosso. Okay. Um, for sure, for sure. But if they could improve Nausicaa, Ooh. how do you think they would do that? Um, improving Nausicaa. Um, I would probably... I'd split it. I'd either like focus in on just one problem. I think. I think I just focus it up a little bit, right? Because like mm-hmm. people are really scared of the forest, like infection spreading, and they're really scared of their neighboring kingdoms, one of them being super warlike, and they're scared of a bug stampede. And part of the plot is the, like, oh, the super weapons that destroyed the Earth the first time around. They unearthed one of them. And they're going to try and bring it back to life. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. let's pick one and focus in on it. You can, you, the one, the one, uh, one of these things is not like the others. We have the poisonous forest, the bugs that live in the poisonous mm-hmm. forest, or the ancient super weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so picking maybe one just more concisely center the plot around either uh, when you read them off center like that. more around the ancient super weapon where upon activation it becomes a problem because oh it's uh 
destroying our fields or something and we're not going to be able to survive or it ends up going in and aggravating the forest but that's just really unifying them again but like make the make the robot the make not the robot but make the super weapon the problem or cut the super weapon out entirely you don't need it there because part of the whole plot thing is that you've got this valley of the wind the neighboring kingdom was flying over but the storms they end up crashing and they like the one plane ends up crashing and the rest of them set down to like recover and do whatever they have to and the other kingdom knowing that their enemy like the third kingdom knowing kingdom number two is there tries to like create a stampede to destroy the town and defeat their enemies so you don't need the like the monster there when you say the monster you're talking about the super weapon yeah you don't need the super weapon there yeah, that's true. I I mean, that is actually very true. You could get rid of the su- the whole super weapon plot, and you would like, still have enough. You can literally just make it be like, oh, yeah, we're going back. We were like returning for supplies or troops exchange or something, and now we're going back to the city that we came from, which we were it wasn't our, our original intended target. Which gets us back flying over the forests. So that Nasca goes into the forest again, and it continues mm-hmm. the plot from there. I do think the super weapon does a good job at like heightening the stakes, and it does sort of put a mm-hmm. more sort of like at least a thematic um, fear because it's like wow, like they really haven't learned anything. Like they're living in a world that is like scarred and has been forever changed by, like, humanity's use of these things, and they're still trying to, like, That's use fair. them. Uh, but I think that also goes back to the fact that they took a four-book story and condensed it to one movie. Also fair. Also also a, a good point. Um, yeah, I, I will say, though, too, I guess it's because I'm kind of partial. Like, I do think that animation for the super weapon is just so oh, cool. Like, like I was disappointed it, like, it wasn't a robot. I yeah, because it's just like a big thing, isn't it? I like want, it's I like just want more Ghibli robots. Like I love the robots in Lapida. Give me more robots. Nah, man, Miyazaki's all about that organic, organic stuff. That man does not like technology, and well, honestly, no. Because let's be real, all of the, like all the things that have had bad technology also have good technology. He's not against technology; he's against the misuse of technology. I think he's against the reliance on it, is what I would say. Like I, I think, like not even reliance. I don't know. I, I like. I mean, I'm thinking about you know, um, like like Mononoke, right? Like those people who it's not even like those people who um you know the the average people who live in madame aboshi's sort of town in iron town like they're not they're not um using technology poorly they just live in a place where technology is like the only thing that really exists right like it's a completely man-made thing they are but like they're not again they're not debatably i guess it depends like when you say using technology like badly or poorly well, like i'd also like do you I, mean counterpoint though is uh lapida 
where the town that the miners all live in has a ton of trains and steam, like, train engines and mining tools and steam engines and things. And I, like, they're using coal. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in yeah. Nausicaa, they've got the gliders and the planes. Where it's like, yeah, we do, we have, like, this little two-seater plane that we use or this little, like, cargo jet we use and we got Nausicaa's, Nausicaa's glider. So it's not the, even kind of like Nausicaa relies on that glider. Um, I think it's, yeah. So I really think it is fair. more about the misuse or the use of technology for the degradation, subjugation, and destruction of humanity. I think that's, I think that's fair. I, I still do think that Miyazaki has a running theme that often like human, like the human beings in his works like, like, yeah, Nausicaa's, like, reliance on the glider, but she never shows a reverence for any of her technology in the same way that she has a reverence for, like, like the bugs in the forest. I, I remember even there's a, a shot of, like, the bugs in the forest where one of them is, like, gliding past her, and it looks more smooth and beautiful than, like, most anything with her glider. Again, I you go know back to I mean? Lapida and how... The the one kid is obsessed with being uh, like creating his own airplane, and the pirates with their uh, airship are all like super like ah our technology our airship we love our airship we got our gliders and things. Mm-hmm. I guess. So I I, I think I, I would argue it comes down to the in, the power the intent behind the technology is your intent with the technology to gain for selfish ends or for selfless ends. I think it's I think it's more the presence of like the technology. Like I like I, I do agree with the intent. Like I, I think there's another part though of his like of his sort of ethos when he's making something. Like to be fair, Porco Rosso deals a lot with technology. Like it's all about a pilot, you know. So yeah. there's no getting away from that. But uh like I count that as a Ghibli movie, but it is one of his that's a little bit more removed from his, like his major themes are like focuses on like nature um, and how people interact with it and the different states we enter into it and the things we do when we come out of it. I do think like a lot of his movies center around um, human beings like who, yeah, they're, they're living to be fair. You're right. Like they're living in a world that is often like, there is a balance usually with some kind of technology, but they will often emerge into, um, because I would even say like a lot of their, um, a lot of Miyazaki's work focuses on not just shredding, like not just moving past like material technology, but quote unquote, like mental or psychological or even social technology. Like a lot of his movies focus on people who get completely thrown out of their societies and are like faced with a kind of like natural principle that they have to reconcile going back to the world with like Mononoke. Um, you know, uh, I, I forget what the protagonist's name is in Mononoke, but he has to reckon with like meeting, um, Mononoke and coming to terms with like the God of the forest. Um, Nausicaa goes to like the underforest and has to like, She's always had a reverence for nature, but she sees it in a way that she never has. Um, and even in Spirited Away is is like, I know you haven't seen that one, but 
that one involves a, a young girl who is like completely thrown into a world that is nothing like the one that she's ever known. And um, I'm sure Lapida has like uh, uh, characteristics of that. Totoro Absolutely. even has elements of like these kids and it's a little bit more innocent play, but they're discovering like a part of nature or something that they, that is so unlike anything that they've like known before. So I do agree that like technology like plays a role and Miyazaki does have a message of like, there is no such thing necessarily as like good or bad technology. It's like how you use it and it's being able to strike a balance at the same time. I also believe that he, he, like goes a step further often and shows like there's something beyond all of this that like when you come into contact with it it will completely change the way that you view not just like technology but your relationship to everything prior to your contact with it yeah well that's neat we should just have a whole miyazaki let's just do a miyazaki podcast let's just do that oh god i have too many more miyazaki (sighs) films to watch I know, dude. I gotta watch Castle in the Sky. Oh. Um, it's got a good antagonist. It's got a great settings. It's got great, like, it's real steampunky, but not in the, like, oh, we're gonna put gears and goggles on our hats steampunk, but more the, like, oh, this is what actually steam, like, theming would be. That's it's pretty got crazy neat, old actually. Man. It's got planes <laughs> and gliders. It's got a, fl- uh, it's like- got a tree. <laughs> wow, this movie is everything. <laughs> it's got robots. Really oh my fucking gosh. cool robots. Damn, I love those robots. I'll to, maybe I'll watch it this weekend. Do it. I report back my findings. Do it. do it on Sunday. I think I will. Because then you got to tell me if you recognize who the villain voice is. Do you know who I'll the villain that. is, James? I don't, actually. Prior to watching you it, will. no. Oh. I'm going to see if I can do it without looking them up. Please I want to see if I can identify. Because I've been really bad at it so far. <laughs> I need to see if it's just me. Because <laughs> I'll put it this way. Oh, did you? I didn't realize it was Shia LaBeouf. Thought it was Andrew Garfield at oh. first. Oh, he's for her. Uh, her like the guy that she meets. Yep. I could. I guess I could kind of see Andrew Garfield, but Andrew Garfield, I think, is a little too. I don't actually. How old is Shia LaBeouf? I think he was like eleven or twelve when he did that. Hang on. Shia LaBeouf. It's got to be he's almost 36. forty. Okay. Andrew Garfield. Is Andrew Garfield thirty nine? Thirty. Oh my Andrew gosh! Okay, never mind. LaBeouf. I did not know that. Uh, what? For some reason, that's like crazy to me. <laughs> why? I did not. I don't know. I I, I, I guess can actually like, tell you why. It's because of when they became famous. Shia LaBeouf became m- more of a household name at a younger age, so he seems older. I think you're because Andrew Garfield came out later. You're exactly right, honestly. That's why it's so fucking okay, crazy so, uh, that, like, Samuel L. Jackson is so old. Yeah, what, how, wait, is he, what, like, 70? Oh, at least. 
There's no way he's like close to 80. There's no way. Oh, never mind. I mean, kind 74. of. Wow. He was, uh, hang on, let's do the math. Yep. Stupidly he was in impressive. his late, mid to late 60s when he was doing the Marvel movies. And playing a like late third, like a mid 40s super, like secret agent. Dude, that means he was like. Holy shit. He was in his 50s in Star Wars. Well, yeah. Depending on what Star Wars. Yep. Actors are old, Dude. James. He was like... He was like 46 when he was in Pulp Fiction. That yeah. is insane. Oh, you didn't know that? He was almost 50? I have no Jackson clue. Samuel Jackson got to start I... really late. I thought, wow, dude. I thought that he was like in his early 30s. That is insane. I'm learning so much. Wow. Okay. Samuel Jackson's first acting role. Um, so he, or, he was originally a, a stage performer. So yeah, I'm like, looking at his that was in the 80s. Wikipedia. Career. Um, Spike Lee cast him in small roles in School Days, Do the Right Thing, and he was a stand-in for Bill Cosby on The Cosby Show. Dude, for some reason I'm having massive deja vu right now. I know I've said this before. Have we had this conversation before? Yeah. I, I'm getting like I don't think we did on loop this one. feelings. He had a minor role in Goodfellas, and then yes, he did. What the fuck? <laughs> Hang on. Here's a wild sentence for you. <clears throat> Having overdosed on heroin several times, he switched to cocaine. <laughs> That's about Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. Oh my god, did he do heroin? Uh, yeah. His family entered him into a New York rehabilitation clinic, and after he completed rehabilitation, he appeared in Jungle Fever as a crack cocaine addict. He said the role was cathartic, that it was kind of a funny kind of thing. By the time he was out of rehab, about a week or so later, he was on set and they were ready to start shooting. Dude. Uh, National crazy. Lampoon's had... Loaded Weapon 1 was his first starring role. He attended Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral as an usher. What? Wow. Okay, well, there's your Mar there's your Samuel L. Jackson update for the week. That is nuts, man. Good on you, RJ, for for talking about how you don't know things because because of that we just learned a bunch of things. So <laughs> there's a lesson in there. What are we, goddamn Sesame Street? I guess. I guess we are now. Let's count how old Mr. Jackson is. One, <laughs> two. I can't count higher than that. <laughs> it's all right. We'll get there next week. <laughs> next week, we'll get to what one more than two is. Yeah, don't worry. You'll get there eventually. All right. I think we're just going to end the show here. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's fine. Well, I can't wait to find out what comes after two. Personally, it's a question that's plagued me for 26 years. I have yet to solve what? it.
how many years? Uh, well, I'm assuming more than two. D- disregard <laughs> that last sentence. <laughs> Shit. All right. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Please give us likes, reviews, downloads, ratings, etc. You can also find us on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we have our Meme Mondays. You can tweet about the show using uh, the hashtag uh, Better, Budca- Better Buddies. Our handle is at Better Budcast. And you can send us emails. Our email account is Better Buddies at Better Buddies Cat. Fucking hell, what is it? You threw me off, James. You got it, my man. You got it. BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on, or story ideas you want us to flesh out. And last but not least, be a better buddy. Hey, how you doing there, son? Not too shabby, sir. How are you doing? Oh, you don't believe in being shabby? You got a problem with shabby chic, huh? Uh, yeah, actually. You know what? I do. Um, I think I would make the case that being chic is antithetical to being shabby. Therefore, there can be no such thing as. So you're saying you're incapable of holding two ideas in your mind at once? That you are not capable of living both in the yin and the yang? Um, I'm saying that while they may be, there's a little bit of the shabby uh, in the chic. There's a little bit of chic in the shabby. Uh, oh, damn, you got. Have me. you ever met a New York shabby? Oh, you're right. Ah, oh, I've been defeated. Ah, oh, damn, that was good. That was some. That was some record time philosophical outmaneuvering there kid you bested me